Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man whose favorite team is going to win the Super Bowl, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? I hope you're speaking into existence, because that would be really great. I would be very, very happy if the Ravens won the Super Bowl. And look, they, they made a good step towards that uh, this past week, but we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. We don't need to start off with the uh, the the NFL today. Um but uh, another man's team, because your team definitely won't make the Super Bowl, another man's team who will not make the Super Bowl is, of course, if you remember this podcast, Ben O'Brien. What a mighty fall the Bengals have had, Ben. Mighty fall? I mean, I, I, could, just, I could just use the Ravens' excuse and blame injuries, but I'm not going to do that because I'm, I'm a bigger man than that. I'll just say that they're not that good. But I wouldn't call it a mighty fall by any means. I think that's a bit of an Honestly, exaggeration. I- I don't even think it's blaming it on injuries. Their, their, their best player, who is their most important player, has been hurt for almost the entire season. Uh, so I mean, you're you're right. It was a mighty fall, but it was a it was a a reason to fall. It makes sense why it happened, uh, because they they have been hit with some bad injuries. It has been an unfortunate turn, uh, for the Bengals for sure. So I don't want to knock you down too much. Your Patriots just stink. Yeah, they're just terrible. They don't stink enough because they beat the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, I know, I Trevor. Mean, what the heck? I thought I thought Bill Belichick was gonna be like because he's the best coach ever. I thought he'd be really good at tanking, but clearly he stinks at that too. Maybe he's just an overrated coach in general. People think that he wants to win because this is it for him. Like, he's going to be done. So people think he wants to win as many as Um, he can. He's also close to the the wins record for the coaches. Like, he's very close to to taking that record. So I don't think he's staying there. There's no reason for him to stay there any longer. Especially if that's his objective, he shouldn't be there anymore. But look, we can talk about the NFL in a little bit. We got a lot to get to in today's podcast. We even have a little draft at the end, uh, which will be really enjoyable. Uh, so let's start off with some college basketball, Trevor. Um, not a ton of crazy, you know, notable results this week, but we did hit a couple important ones. Why don't you start us off with some you want to talk about? Yeah. So the game of the week for me, the game I watched yesterday was Marquette and Creighton. Big uh, for us, Trevor. And big, big for us because the Martin Golden and that game counts. That game counts. It does count. Yeah. So yes, it's a it's a it's a win for us that counts for our draft. Obviously, Marquette gets the win, seventy two sixty seven, and this was a super fun game. Um, Creighton led. Uh, they were leading the entire game up until like I think early in the second half. I think Marquette's first lead was maybe five minutes in the second half. So Creighton was doing a really good job. Marquette was struggling, you know, from the field. They were, I think at one point, like four of 22 or something from the field in the first half. So they were shooting very badly. Um, they started to kind of make a little bit of a run there late in the first half and into the second, which kind of helped them um, win the game. And and the biggest thing really, I think, in the second half was their defense. Their defense was awesome. Um, you know, Creighton kind of struggled a lot in the second half just to, to, to get into the paint, to score. They had to settle for three-pointers, which, you know, Creighton is a pretty decent three-point shooting team so they made you know some of them Baylor Shireman in particular he made seven threes but uh Marquette did a really good job overall the the biggest player that stood out to me in this game was actually uh uh Sean Jones off the bench and Sean Jones he's a he's a sophomore he's from Columbus Ohio I remember I I didn't get to watch him play in high school but I remember always hearing about him on Twitter um and stuff like that just following like some of the local high school reporters talk about him and how good he was um and and Marquette really got a gem I think in Sean Jones uh someone who uh, frankly, Ohio State should have recruited. He was right in their backyard, and they decided not to. They pa- they passed on him. So good get there for Marquette. He was awesome, particularly on the defensive end. You know, he's he's smaller. He's only 5'10", but he is just a pest on the defensive end. He also had 15 points, so he was doing it on both ends of the floor for Marquette. And, you know, obviously Tyler Kolick, Mr. Reliable, he had 15 points, 8 assists. He was really good, um, and they had um, – the guy David Joplin, who hit a couple big shots late in the game that helped Marquette kind of maintain that lead, even as Creighton was trying to, uh, you know, uh, get back in it. So really solid win for Marquette there. Um, even though I was a little worried from what I saw, a little concerned in the first half, they turned it around and they did get back to that defensive identity. Shaka Smart over the years has had a lot of great defensive teams. Ben, you would know this from uh, when he was at VCU. Very good defensive teams. Um, and he's doing the same thing at Marquette. And they look they look solid. Shaka Smart's built like a very nice career for himself. He went from there to Texas, uh, and then I think right to Marquette, right? I think that was the progression for him. Yeah. Um, and I, I I don't know if Texas was like the greatest success, but he's had a decent amount of success throughout his whole time coaching. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy he's in charge of our team that we have in both drafts. Both of our drafts, we have Marquette. Because mm-hmm. um, I know how much you like him, Trevor, so we got to... 
We're, we're holding out hope that Marquette wins it all. We're big Marquette fans this year. We will be talking yeah. about them a lot in the podcast over the next three months. Yeah, they were they were really solid. I, I think the issue for Marquette is always going to be that they like they don't have like a they don't have like a seven footer like some of these other really good teams in college basketball. They have like a, a big a guy who's really good in the paint, good at rebounding. Marquette doesn't exactly have that. Um, I think Igadaro is maybe like six ten. So when you have a guy like uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner for Creighton, he's a seven footer. You have like Zach Eady, who's a seven seven foot four for Purdue. Teams like that. That's something that can be an issue for them. But they do make up for it in how much how many turnovers they create, how good they are on the defensive end, um, and they have a really good point guard, Tyler Kolick. So they're still a really solid team. I like them a lot. A um, couple other games to mention, both uh, some upsets here. San Diego State beat Gonzaga 84-74. That was a pretty big pretty upset. Pretty solid win. Uh, yeah, solid win for San Diego State there. They now moved to 11-2. That's a big win for their resume. Um, probably will put them back in the top 25 as of uh, tomorrow. And then we had yesterday, uh, Florida Atlantic, you know, after their big win over Arizona, they got upset by uh, Florida Gulf Coast, 72-68 to yesterday. So, Big upset there. Um, also, I'll I'll mention uh, Mich- the Michigan Wolverines. Normally, I wouldn't mention a game like this, but uh, I'm going to mention it. Like uh, McNeese State. They're McNeese State. <laughs> They're terrible. <laughs> McNeese State beat Michigan, so that's another big upset. They're really not good. It's it's, it's dark days for Michigan basketball currently. Yeah, They're pretty bad. I think they'll have a coaching change pretty soon here. That definitely could be the case. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I had. Um, not a, a ton of great college basketball games. Uh, ben, did you have any uh, any any takeaways um, that you wanted to talk about in college basketball? Yeah, Trevor, why does USC stink? I thought they had like a really good player on their team. Plus like the, the number one overall <laughs> recruit or something. And they stink. What's up with that, Trevor? Every time, I, yeah, not that I watch USC. them, Trevor, but every time I check their scores, they lose. And it's not even like they're like, they lose by like double digits every time I check their score. They stink. Yeah, USC has struggled. They've definitely underperformed expectations for sure. They lost to Oregon State yesterday. So I, I, I really don't know what's going on there. I watched them play earlier in the season, and now they've they've been losing a lot lately. They've, they've lost their first two Pac-12 games to Oregon and Oregon State. So uh, definitely some issues there. They're now 6-7 and seven overall. They were preseason, I think, top 20 or maybe like 22, something like that. They were, they were, um, I think, 16 at a point in time. Yeah, I think they were, yeah, they were at one point in time in the top 20. So I'm um, not really sure what's going on with uh, USC. Let's, it's another team we have in a draft, I think, right? I think we did get them in one of our drafts. It's like one of our last picks, yeah. So we'll, we will see if they can turn it around. Yeah, we need them to lock it in. They're 0 for 2. They're, they got minus 2 on the board for us. We, we need them to lock it in. Mm-hmm. Lock it in big time. Ben, I actually want to stay with you as we go to college football here um, because we all got to go to a bowl game this past week. We went to the Bowling Green uh, versus Minnesota Bowl game. The result was not what we wanted, but we did go to the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit, uh, all three of us. I want to hear some of your thoughts on this game. I thought it was. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game. You know, I did too. I, I liked I've it. I've had I've had you know these people tell me like, man, Bowling Green lost to Minnesota, all that stuff. Here's what I tell them, and I think you two would agree with me. Bowling Green won zero games three years ago. So the fact that they're losing by a touchdown to a Big Ten I school, that. I don't even care who the Big Ten school is. The fact that they're losing by a touchdown to any Big Ten school, I feel like is a win. So you you can try to bring me down all you want by saying that they lost to Minnesota and Minnesota is a bad team. Okay, but the Bowling Green Falcons, who have been one of the worst college football programs since we got to campus there like seven years ago, just lost a bowl game by seven points to a Big Ten school. I am never going to be upset about that. Um, I think that is a, a moral victory for the Bowling Green Falcons, which is such a loser thing to say. But let's face it. It's been a loser program for a long time now. So I think this is a yeah. huge victory for the program. And also, we got to think about Ben. What, what, what was the result last time Bowling Green played Minnesota? That is true. But that doesn't uh, I'm pretty really sure we beat them that, well, that in makes Minnesota. It, that, that makes it seem like we should have beat them this time then. Well, Which, to be matter. fair, we probably should have like, beat them. I, I feel like, well, I, I can't even say that. I was going to say, I feel like Bowling Green was the better team. That's not true. Minnesota could run it 80 times and Bowling Green couldn't stop it. But I feel like Bowling Green had the best player on the field, in my opinion, um, throughout that they, game. They probably did. Yeah, they did. Alaire, the the receiver, he was was probably the best best player. But while we're talking about bowl games, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to mention on the Bowling Green bowl game. Yeah, I mean, I I 
I, I was disappointed just from the standpoint of like, this was definitely a winnable game for Bowling Green. They definitely could have won it uh, the way they came out in the first drive and scored a touchdown within the first three plays. It, it just felt like th- that this offense could have success m- most drives. And, you know, the, after that first drive, they struggled for a little bit in the first half and they were, you know, playing catch up after obviously Minnesota continued to have success running the ball. I mean, Minnesota's quarterback only had 26 passing yards. It was entirely just let me hand the ball off to Darius Taylor and the other running backs and let's have them get yards. But I think Bowling Green's offense could have played a little bit better. I think they had some missed opportunities. I I just that's my only thing. It was a winnable game. I wish they would have won it. But nevertheless, this program has gotten better and better every single year since Scott Leffler has taken over and I'm I'm cool with that, you know. I I hope that we can continue to get better next year. I think it's going to be uh, tricky. I mean, Hilaire is is just declared for the NFL draft. He's the best player on the team. I think that hurts, but they are still returning a decent amount of talent. So that's that's the goal, you know. Continue getting better um, every single year because uh, we want to win a MAC championship. They do, and I'm not a Leffler fan because he keeps on losing in big games. But he has brought the program to a good point. So we'll we'll have to see. Um, but speaking of bowl games, I wanted to talk about bowl games as a whole because we've we've gotten to the point here with NIL money and the transferring rules uh, where players are sitting out bowl games that they don't matter. And we've always kind of had that to an extent, um, but it hasn't been as bad as we've gotten it to, you know, at this point right now. Um, and I mean, we, we're all going to know the, the, the games I'm going to discuss here. Um, but the the two games I really wanted to point out. Um, the first one is the Ohio State game we had yesterday. They lost fourteen to three versus Missouri, and then Georgia beat Florida State thirty or sixty three to three. So uh, these games don't even matter, and there's so many players missing the games. It, it, it's now hard to watch these bowl games. We're at the point where I'm like, I don't even want to watch these stupid bowl games um, because they're they're terrible uh, to watch. They're just a bad experience. So Ben, I want to start with you here. What what do you think about like in the grand scheme of things these bowl games? Like, what do you think? uh about the state of it and what do you think can like we can do about it i mean i mean bowl games just don't matter unless you're unless you're in the college football playoff players don't really care about it um and i'd I'd like to say that that'll change next year when we get to a 12 team playoff but let's be honest there's going to be players that are on the 10th best team that are playing in a a first round playoff game that are still going to transfer that are still going to sit out so i I think it might help but i don't think it's going to solve the issue completely um i don't know I, i think it's it's a it's just players don't care about playing a one game playoff game um in a situation that doesn't really matter it's just like because forever bowl games existed because it was tradition and it was what it's what college football has always been been about it wasn't about a massive playoff it was about you play you know one final game to hopefully finish off your season on the right foot but players nowadays don't care about the tradition of college football they care about making money they care about going to the best position for themselves so they don't care about playing, doing doing it the way that has been done for 150 years in college football. So, um, I don't really have a, I don't really know how to fix it, other than unless you're going to punish these players for not for leaving. Um, but it's, I think it's because of the transfer portal and because of how easy it is to go from one place to another, and because of the money that you can make, um, both in the NFL and also while still in college. It's it's a business more than it's ever been before, and as long as that's the mindset that it's a business, this is not going to change. Players are not going to care about playing in the the quick lane bowl or playing in the the whatever the pop tart bowl um if there's money to be made by making a professional decision to do something else so um i don't know i don't really have a a solution for it i think it's unfortunate i love you know college football bowl games are great but the fact that especially over recently it just hasn't been as important and these bowl games don't matter at all it stinks but it's just part of um, part of, I think, the the evils of, of this NIL and transport portal that I think most people would agree is the right thing to do. But now we're looking at the effects of those decisions and we're, getting, we're saying, I don't know, maybe there needs to be some changes to how we originally thought this was the correct way to do things. Yeah, I, I think this is ultimately a lose-lose situation because um, like the players you know, not playing these games, this isn't really a product of, like I think, players being greedy. I think this is a product of the system. And how it is set up, it it is all it just is a better decision. If you are a draft eligible prospect, you are gonna get drafted. You shouldn't play in this pointless game, and that that's ultimately how it is. Now it makes a horrible viewing experience for fans. So there has to be some way we alter this where it's meaningful and they play in it. 
um, but also they can preserve, you know, they have the injury preservation um, and they don't get hurt. There's got to be some way uh, we were able to do this without just completely penalizing uh, the, the, the players for making a, a decision that's probably right in this system. Um, Trevor, is there anything you want to talk about in terms of bowl games as a whole uh, here? before you um, move on not really I, I don't really have a ton to add on you know obviously how to fix these issues because like like ben said I'm, I'm not really sure what the correct solution is uh it's going to be tough you know i i remember as a kid i used to love the bowl games so much you know growing up in like mid-2000s so it's it's definitely tricky as far as um anything else i mean the college football playoff is tomorrow um which obviously we are all excited for um so i think we could like at least briefly preview these games i mean we have alabama michigan right now michigan's a one and a half point favorite that's the first game five o'clock eastern and then we have texas washington eight forty-five eastern texas is a, a four point favorite uh which is actually a little surprising to me that they're favored by four points but um i i think both these games have the potential to be really good i expect them um, I mean, here's the thing. It never works out. And like one of them is probably going to be a blowout. But I'm hopeful yeah. because I think on paper, these teams are very evenly matched overall. But in both games, I think they're so, pretty evenly matched. So I'm very excited to see what happens. What's in your both prediction, Trevor? Um, for both these games, what's your prediction? My prediction for these games. I love how you said that. Yeah, what's your prediction? I'm going to give mine. Um, so that's Ben his. I I'm going well. It's not shock because Texas is favored. Do you know why? Te is is there like injuries for Washington's team? Why is Texas favored by um, four points? I'm I'm confused actually. I I actually I didn't. Four seems like a lot of points to me. I do think Texas is the better team. Okay, I so my predictions are I'm that. I'm going with chalk. I think Michigan and Washington are going to win. Um, I think they're both going to be close games. My my worry with Alabama is just that. They're so they're high. They're just so up and down. And I'm not confident enough that they're going to have that high point game again like they did against Georgia. I feel like we most likely saw their best. And I don't know if they're going to be able to deliver that same type of performance again. I mean, Jalen Miller, he's certainly been playing better and better as the seasons went on. But I still, I'm, I'm still not super confident in him um, to lead this team down. If they need to make a big drive, I mean, Michigan's defense is so good. Uh, they're probably going to be able to get pressure on him. It's just, it's tough for me to kind of see him being able to lead some of those big drives. So I think Michigan will lead, uh, win a close one there. And then I think Washington and Texas is going to be a very good game. Probably um, a lot of points. And I am going with Washington in that one. So, um, Michigan, Alabama, I've been saying this since the start of the season, Michigan's the best team in the nation. I still think they're going to win the, I think they're going to win the thing finally, uh, here. Uh, and I, I think they will beat Alabama. I, I think there's going to be a really good game. Alabama, I think objectively, if you look at these two teams, Alabama has more talent. They have more five stars. They have more four stars on this team. They just objectively have more talent. Michigan has the experience. They have the quarterback that's been in the system multiple years. They have two running backs that have been in the system multiple years. Um, their O-line uh, was the like second oldest in the Big Ten. Um, so they have the experience. They have been in this position before. Um, a lot of the Alabama players haven't been in this position before. Um, however, Nick Saban has been in this position before a lot of times, and then even in bigger games than this one. So I, I do think this is a pretty evenly matched game. However, I think Michigan will come out on top. Um, Texas and Washington, I think Texas is the better team. Uh, four seems a little high for me. Uh, I feel like, like two and a half would be right. Uh, so the thing about Washington, Texas is they actually have relatively similar makeups of their teams. Um, except that Texas is just a little bit better defensively. Uh, Washington's defense is fine. It's not that it's bad. Uh, both their offenses, they both have exceptional receivers. Some people think two Texas receivers will go in the first round. I don't know. Mitchell and Xavier worthy. Um, Quinn Ewers is, is really, really great. Uh, I think Michael Penix is, is also really, really great. They have, uh, Aduza. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. He's going to be one of the top receivers taken this year. Um, he actually is a lot like Jamar Chase, Ben. That's his big, uh, player comp. So I, I think this game will also be another great game, but I do think Texas is the better team. And I think they will come out on top and we will get a Michigan Texas game that we will talk about in a couple weeks. Ben, what is your prediction for these two games? Yeah, it's tough. Michigan-Alabama is a tough one. Um, I, I, Being the, the biggest Michigan believer on this podcast for months now, I, I, I want to say Michigan's going to win by like 20. I really do. But 
Brandon, I don't know. Clearly, Michigan's afraid of Alabama because they did not want to play Alabama. Brandon didn't want to play Alabama. Michigan fans I, still think Florida State should, should be in that, in, in that final spot. So, so what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to take it from 20 points. I think Michigan won by about 10. I'll, I'll, I'll cut it in half. I do, I do think Michigan's going to win. I, I think they'll win by about 10 points. Um, they are the best team in the country. I've been saying this for months. Um, but Alabama's Alabama. Nick Saban's Nick Saban. So I, I don't think they're going to get blown out. But I do, do think Michigan will win by at least two scores in this game because they're the better team. All right. What about the other game? The other game's hard. Um, I want Texas to win. I prefer they win. Um, but I don't want to pick the favorite in both games. So I think I'm going to have to go with Washington um, just to mix it up a little bit. I don't have any analysis on that other than Michael Penix is pretty good. Um, he is pretty yeah, good. Sure. I, I, I don't, I don't want to pick the favorite in both games, so I'm going to pick the underdog in the second game and say Washington's going to win. Interesting. All right. So you guys have an agreement there. Also, the um, Pac-12, right, I kind of want to see the Pac-12 go out on top. That'd be the best. That'd be awesome. For, uh, in sports fans in general, if the Pac-12, every single person yeah. on this podcast should be rooting for the Pac-12 to win this national championship if you're a true I'm, sports I'm fan. not doing that. But I, I will say that would be a good— I do want Washington. That would be a good consolation prize if Michigan doesn't win is that the Pac-12 wins uh, as they're leaving. But all right, let's move on here to the NBA. Now we got a couple short headlines we want to talk about. One pretty big one. Um, so I'm going to throw this right over to you, Trevor, um, to discuss uh, the NBA news from this past week. Yeah. So first, uh, well, actually, I'll start with the trade first. Yeah, it's the biggest piece. Um, it's the biggest piece. I don't think so. But you don't think so? No, it's not. Both these teams aren't contenders. Um, but that's the biggest piece of news. Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so the trade that happened, you know, we finally get a pretty big trade, um, this year, really the first one. Um, and you know, we had the Raptors, they trade OG and Anobi, Precious Chua and Malachi Flynn to the Knicks in exchange for RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly in one second round pick. So this is, this is interesting because for a number of reasons, OG and Anobi, he's been in trade rumors, uh, for like over a year now. Um, you know, he's been put in every podcast talks about, Oh, who, who really needs OG and Anobi? Because there's a lot of teams that are, I think, trying to, uh, contend for the title, trying to win where OG and Anobi is a piece that can help put them over the top because he's one of the better defensive wings in the NBA. First and foremost, he's also a, a decent enough three point shooter. He can, uh, see in the corner, hit some threes, um, you know, so he's a really solid player. And I think that he will, he, I think he was the best player in this trade overall, um, compared to RJ or Emmanuel quickly. Um, they also get Precious Chua and Malachi Flynn, um, Precious Chua, a guy who is really known for being, uh, like scrappy. He's a good rebounder, very tough player, uh, probably will fit right in with, uh, you know, uh, the Knicks and, um, obviously, you know, the, the coaching staff that they have over there. So that'll be interesting. And then they get Malachi Flynn as well. Um, I, I do overall think this is an improvement for the Knicks. I think this does help their chances to win this season, just because I think with Jalen Brunson in the backcourt, um, you have Julius Randle, who's obviously a really good offensive player, having a guy who can, guard like the opposing team's best player who can guard a Jason Tatum who can guard uh, maybe from time to time a Jimmy Butler right like some of the 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 best teams in the east the, the contenders um, those are the players that you have to worry about worry about guarding and I think that OG Anobi is a really good defender fit to do that um, so I do like that overall they lose RJ Barrett obviously RJ Barrett um, not as good of a defender offensively. I think they're pretty comparable. Um, RJ Barrett's probably a better slasher getting to the rim. As far as shooting, I would say overall they're relatively comparable. Emmanuel quickly was a really good six man. He's probably the third best player in this trade. So losing him is tough, but I also think he's replaceable for the uh, Knicks. I think the Knicks... You know, he I think was when really we good get, in like their little run last year. Yeah, he yeah. he he's up and down. You know, so he had he can have a really good game. He can put up thirty, but then the next game he might have like he might go one for seven or something. You know, he's he's an up and down player. He's very much in the Tyrese Maxey mold. He's just not not anywhere close to as good as him. But he's the same type of player. He mm -hmm. he wants to do the same type of things. He wants to play uh, up tempo. He wants to. Uh, run in transition, get to the basket, um, try to create for others. He's that type of guy, or even like a Lou Williams back with the Clippers. He's he's that type of player. So he was definitely an interesting piece that the Knicks had. 
But again, I think he is replaceable. I think the Knicks could get someone at the deadline that won't cost too much that can kind of replace that role. So overall, I do like it for the Knicks, for the Raptors. Um, losing OG, Prashachua, and Malachi Flynn. I think, you know, you get RJ, you get quickly, you get one second-round pick. I, I, It seems to me like the Knicks wanted to make, or not the Knicks, the Raptors wanted to make sure that they got valuable players, not just picks they wanted to get valuable players that can still help them you know be a decent enough team which is not the route i would have taken necessarily um because i think that them not even getting one first round pick is a little bit of a loss for them i I think if you're the raptors you're not a winning team right now um you're kind of going backwards i think you got to get at least one first round pick for og they did not do that they got a second round pick they got rj and they got quickly so it's I don't love it from the Raptors perspective. I think it's it's fine because you can argue RJ different uh, place, change of scenery. He can, you know, thrive a little bit more in Toronto. It's also where he grew up. Um, so that's good. And then quickly another player um, who you give him a little bit, you know, uh, put the ball in his hands a little bit more often. Maybe he can develop more. Maybe he can become a, a really solid player, a guy that can really pop. Um, similar to the way we, we've seen like a Tyrese Maxey do so. So we will see overall. I like it for the Knicks, for the Raptors. I would say, honestly, I probably would not have done it, to be honest with you, if I'm the Raptors, but I do see the case for it. I just think that if you're the Raptors, I think you got to get some picks, uh, some more valuable picks than just one second rounder. So uh, that's kind of what I think about the trade. Uh, but Brandon, did you did you have any thoughts about it or, or anything you wanted to say? Um. It, I one thing I mentioned to you uh, is it's interesting kind of the progression of R.J. Barrett and how uh, I I think like when he got drafted there was like such high hopes even like at Duke such high hopes like it, it was almost I don't know he definitely wasn't in line with like you know Wemby or or LeBron like in terms of a prospect but he was I mean such a great prospect coming yeah. into Duke and it was like this guy's gonna be I do remember like. There were articles about how he's gonna bring like Canada basketball back to like, uh, yeah. back to like prominence. Yeah, I like, mean, really he, prominent. He was the number one rank, ranked player in high school, like on ESPN's rankings. Yeah, he was number one, not Zion or Cam yeah. Reddish. He was yeah. number one. So, and yeah. and here we are. He's getting. He's the the number two piece in this trade. You know, well, I guess the, the number one piece on that side, but the the second best player in a trade. Yeah. Um, and I I think it's as interesting his his development just hasn't gone quite how we thought it would. Um, he, I mean, he wasn't amazing in college. I think he, he was still a high pick, but yeah. I, I think he just hasn't quite panned out. And here he is going to Toronto, new scenery for him. Maybe he gets to that point. Um, you know, can he end up being the best piece in this trade? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But that was kind of my biggest takeaway was RJ Barrett, just not what we thought he'd be. Um, and we'll see if he can end up like that in Toronto. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely possible. I still have some belief in RJ that I'm just hanging on to uh, from before he entered the draft. So you know, we'll see what happens. I it's think it, possible. It could he's be shown. Good. I think it. I think it's good for him. Yeah, I think it's really good it for is. RJ. He's shown year. flashes. Yeah, so we we will see what happens with that. Um, the only other story I want to talk about is just in general how great the Oklahoma City Thunder have been, how great how great Shea Gelges Alexander has been because. This is a team who, and, and it's it, it really makes me kind of upset because they're rarely ever on TV. They're almost never on TNT or ABC, the national TV schedule. They don't have a lot of national television games. And this is a team that I want to watch more often, and I and I rarely get a chance to watch them um, unless I want, you know, like it's, it's, it's tough because they're not on national television. But regardless of all that, the Oklahoma City Thunder right now are second in the Western Conference. Uh, they're 21 and nine. Um, I believe they have what the fourth best record in the NBA overall. Um, in their last 10, they're eight and two. They won three straight. Um, their point differential is a plus 8.3, um, which actually puts them, I believe, second. Um, no, third in the NBA behind the, the the Sixers are one, the Celtics are two. They're third. Um, in point differential. So the Thunder have been really good. It, it's been a great story. And Shea Gil Alexander has just continues to take off this season. He's averaging 31 points per game, six assists, six rebounds, um, which was, which is even better than what he had last year. Um, and he, I think as of now, at least would be first team all NBA. I mean, he would be in one of those guard spots. It, it seems like he would be ahead of, 
guys like Steph Curry and uh, Damian Lillard, he he would be ahead of those guys right now in terms of uh, number one all-star voting and also like first team All-NBA. So he's been really awesome. And the other piece is like like Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren's been awesome already. He's right now definitely, I think, the favorite for rookie of the year over Wimby. He's averaging 18 points per game, eight rebounds, three assists, and he's doing it on a winning team. He's having success. He's more efficient than Wemby. He's doing it on a team that's 21 and nine right now. Whereas obviously the Spurs are one of the worst teams in the NBA. So it's been impressive to see. Um, you even have like Jalen Williams uh, out of Santa Clara, who he's really, um, honestly, he's the biggest surprise to me because I, I think like coming out of Santa Clara, I was like, okay, this guy can be like a, he can be like a solid role player. He's an interesting piece, probably a good defender, but he's averaging 18 points per game on this team, uh, shooting 52%. So I'm, I've been very surprised um, by Jalen Williams um, and, and just I, I love that this Thunder team, they all seem to get along super well, like Shea and Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren, like all these guys. Um, they have a lot of fun. I see them like on social media, like responding to each other's stuff and uh, when they do interviews and stuff, it just seems like they're a very young team and they're having so much fun and they're having so much success right now. So it's it's good to see um, even like Kaysen Wallace, who is the the rookie for them out of Kentucky. He's been a good uh, piece, good defender. So it's been awesome to see the Thunder having this much success. And it, it's going to be interesting. Like, how do they match up against these other teams in the West? How do they match up against Denver? How do they match, match up against Minnesota? I mean, they did just beat Denver uh, two days ago, Friday night. They beat them by 16 or 20. Uh, actually 26 points they blew them out they also beat the Timberwolves earlier this week and they beat the Knicks on Wednesday so three really good wins in a row for them and they just continue to get better and better and I haven't really been taking them super seriously but now I'm starting to because they're not only uh, do they have a good record, but they're getting these signature wins in the regular season. They're just like, again, it's, you know, there's 82 games in the regular season. It's a, it's a slog for sure, but it's just like a little timestamp of like, okay, they beat Denver with Jokic. They beat Minnesota. Like, these are some of the teams they're contending with. So I, I've been very impressed by Oklahoma City overall. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear the analysis. Well... We'll have to see what else happens next week uh, in our little NBA recap. Moving along here to the NFL, um, and obviously we got to talk a little bit about this Ravens-Niners game that just happened. Or, uh, um, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about it because I, you know, the Ravens won. But I didn't predict the Ravens to win. I don't think anyone really predicted the Ravens to win. Ben did. Um, give, oh, give Ben, did you flowers. predict the Ravens to win? Yeah, you picked the Ravens I've, to win. I've predicted the Ravens to win every game this year. I'm I'm twelve right. and three this year Thank on you Ravens for that. predictions, so I'm I'm pretty good. Not gonna lie, I'm pretty good at picking you Ravens bet wins. Money line on them every game. You would have you would have made some good money here. Um, I want to point out I I projected the game flow to be that the the Niners would struggle passing against the Ravens. They play a lot of five box sets, and that was going to be tough when you have the three safeties on the field. Um, and I also predicted that McCaffrey would be able to run well, and I thought the Ravens would struggle on offense especially running the ball, uh, which they did. And Lamar was going to have to win this game. Uh, this was a battle between three MVP prospects, one of which has no business being an MVP prospect, as we, I mean, very clearly saw. Uh, he won't be winning MVP. That's Brock Purdy I'm talking about. And Lamar Jackson was amazing and won this game. Um, McCaffrey did run well. He ran really well. Um, and, I mean, they just went down, and they they had trouble when they went down. But this is the Niners' MO, and I've been saying this the whole year. We talked about this a little bit in our group chat. Uh, a couple days ago. The Niners cannot play down. They are not suited to play down. Their quarterback is not good enough to play down, and they don't like playing down. It is very reminiscent to the 2019 Ravens in in different ways. The Ravens were really good at running the ball, and that was their thing, and they would, they would go up by even 7, 10 points, and they would run possessions out for like 8, 9 minutes, and that's how they won games. The Niners, differently, are not used to being down. And they don't have a good quarterback. I know people think he's a good quarterback. He's not a good quarterback. He just isn't a good quarterback. So when they go down, he struggles, and they can't win. They've been down in four games this year, four games, and they lost all four of them. The proof is in the pudding. They can't do it. In terms of the Ravens, the Ravens, to me, I feel like have proved that they they can really contend for a Super Bowl this year. And that makes me nervous because I'm like, all right, this is the, we got to make it happen this year. 
They got to make it happen. Get to the Super Bowl. If they don't win the Super Bowl, okay, I, I want them to win, but they got to make it there. Um, so we'll, we'll see what, what happens with them. But I, I'm excited for the, the them moving forward. This might be a, a Super Bowl matchup here. Um, and it was it was exciting for me to watch. And honestly, the game wasn't even that close. They went in there and kind of beat them pretty bad. Um, but I'll let you guys talk about it quickly unless you want to move on, uh, talk about games that are happening this week. Anything else you guys want to talk about involving this game or Week 16 as a whole? Yeah, um, so it, with this game in particular, I mean, the Ravens were obviously awesome. Their defense in particular was just absolutely incredible. I mean, the the plays they made, uh, the difference in game plan, I think, is the biggest thing, though, that I want to talk about. Because I forgot to mention that, too. I'll let you talk about it. San Francisco's offense felt, in particular in the first half from when I was watching, when they had an opportunity, frankly, to go up two two scores, and they kind of squandered it, um, in, in part because the Ravens were had really good red zone defense, but just in general, they they did not do so. Um, is that the the Niners' offense felt predictable? They it felt predictable, and the Ravens did predict it. They they knew what was happening. I mean, Brock Purdy, uh, I think at least one time, I think twice actually, tried to throw these screen passes. He threw one to the left. And it's just so predictable because they run these screens a lot. And I, I got to put some of this on Kyle Shanahan, even though he is a great coach, um, because when you throw these screen passes and I, I forget who got the one, I think it was Stevens or I, I don't remember who got the one interception, but he batted it up and it, it just plays like that, that are so predictable that the Niners had. And obviously they chose not to run the ball when they were having success running the ball with McCaffrey He had averaged 7.4 uh, yards per carry. And why did he only have 14 carries? He should have had 25, 30 carries. Um, doesn't make any sense. They were, you know, kind of controlling the tempo early on in the game. I think they only had a one point lead in halftime, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, when it they should have been, been up by more. It should have been like 14. Yeah. The points. Ravens did not play great um, in the first half, especially offensively. They really couldn't move the ball at all. They they struggled a little bit. Um, but the point you make about Shanahan is a really good point. I, I think it's tough. They ran a lot with McCaffrey in the first half, and then like you you have to abandon it. Like they the Ravens scored 17 points in the third quarter, so like you. You can't run. Yeah, the mistake was in the first half. Yeah, the first I agree half with that. is where the mistake but, was. Um, you know, the Ravens had a 16-12. So it was 16-12 at halftime. But nevertheless, the Niners should have at least had the lead. And they should have still been able to, you know, continue controlling the clock yeah. um, in the first half to set themselves up for where they don't have to play from behind in the, first, for, in the second half. I mean, they're so talented. They have all the pieces necessary to put themselves in good positions. And yeah, just not a quarterback. Again. No, they do have a quarterback that's solid too. Um, and they just didn't do that. And then when you get from behind, I mean, you know, you get down 17 points, no one's coming back. So it's it's tricky. The Ravens are a really good team. They they rode that momentum they had early in the third quarter, and they rode it to the end, and they're a really good team. Yep. Ben, anything else you want to mention before we get to week 17 here? Uh, No, I don't feel like talking about that. All right. No, I mean, you, you you're the one that bets on them every week, so... I've never uh, week on seventeen here. I literally don't bet on them. <laughs> well, uh, you you handshake bet on them. You say they're gonna win every week. Well, they are gonna win every week. So, yeah. All right. All right. I hope so. Um, week seventeen here. We have the Browns clinch the playoffs. Um, congrats to the Browns. Uh, your fans still annoy me, but congrats to the Browns. They deserve it. The Browns are a good football team. They are a very good football team. Joe Flacco is the best quarterback they've had this year, um, which is really amazing to say. I'm proud of him. I'm happy about it. Um, I'm interested to see how far they can take this. I, I told you like many weeks ago, there's a very real shot that the Browns win like their last six games. And I think they're going to win five of them. Um, and they, they, they've been pretty solid, um, this year. They've definitely had some like lucky turns and they've had some unlucky injuries. I think overall it's been like a, a decently balanced year in terms of luck, but they, they are going to win 12 games and they probably deserve to win 12 games. Um, it's a really good football team. The offense is starting to click really well with Flacco. He just lays the ball out. The defense is still really, really solid. Barring any injuries, not a team I want to play in the playoffs. Got to be honest with you guys, not a team I want to play. The Browns look pretty solid. Um, any games you're excited about today, Trevor? Um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll talk about the Browns quickly because it is very impressive what they're doing. And again, you said Joe Flacco's been the best quarterback for the Browns this year. That's not even saying a lot. That's like, uh, you know, because it's not like Joe Flacco's exactly been lighting it up. He's been fine. Uh, he might been, win comeback play. He's been very good. No, he hasn't been very he's, good. He might win he's comeback player of the year. He's been fine. He's been fine. But when you're fine, that's all you need for the Browns because you have all of the other pieces um, around you. And I, and, you know, 
here's the thing. The Browns have had some injuries, and I think a lot of Browns fans are going to talk about that. But, like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, they're still so talented regardless of what injuries they have. Even without Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb's a great player, don't get me wrong. These other running backs are still good, and their offensive line is still really good that you can put Jerome Ford in there, you can put Kareem Hunt, whoever you put in there. They're still going to have some success running the ball. And their defense is, if not the best in the NFL, it's number two or number three. Their defense is incredible. Um, and they are really good surrounding that quarterback position in a way where you don't have to be great. I mean, these and, and also another thing is their receivers have been really good. I mean, David Njoku, a guy who I don't know how many balls he dropped the first eight weeks. He's not dropping as many balls anymore. He had 134 yards against the Jets was really good in that game. And these other guys, Elijah Moore, I mean, obviously Amari Cooper was out this game, but overall their receivers have been really good for the Browns and they're just so talented. And that's kind of my takeaway is you don't need a great quarterback uh, to, to have success with this Browns team because they are um, out, outside of the 49ers. I think the most talented team besides the quarterback position in the NFL. So they have been really good. I've been impressed and I think they're going to continue. I mean, let's see, they have the, they're 11, five there. He clinched the playoff spot. They're probably going to beat the Bengals most likely. So they're going to go in the playoffs 12 and five, which is going to have them at that five seed. So then that's going to be a matchup against whoever the best, you know, that four seed is, which is, Going to be whoever wins this uh, AFC South, the Jaguars, the Colts, or the Texans. And all three of those teams, I think the Browns are better than. They have been playing better than all three of those teams. Yeah, it's a road game, but the Browns have the talent. They are capable of winning against all three of those teams in that first wildcard game. It's just a matter of, um, you know, there's, there's some variance there because... I think part of it is, yeah, Joe Flacco, he's been playing fine. He could have a bad game. He could throw a couple interceptions. Stefanski, I still, I'll give him some credit. He's been better. Um, I just don't want him calling the plays. He should not be calling the plays. It's ridiculous. I, I still ha don't have a ton of trust there, but the Browns are so good. If they get ahead in these games, they can win them. So yeah, uh, that's kind of the takeaway there. Other games for today. Uh, I mean, the, the, the main games, the Ravens Dolphins, we know that that's going to be a really good game. Another game that uh, is relevant for the MVP race, obviously. Um, I still think Tyreek is at least in it. He um, should be. He should but be. But he has to have, uh, he's going to have to have a really good performance. We're going to need a Dolphins win for him to have a real chance here, I think. But that's going to be a really good game. Um, I expect the Ravens to win it. Um, and then other than that, I mean, I'm looking here at these other games. Uh, well, I, I mean, we have Saints Bucks. That's good. Other than that, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, we also forgot to talk about the Lions Cowboys. So if you guys want to talk about that, we probably should as well. Yeah, that the ending was interesting. It seems like the the Lions got got screwed up there. Uh, it the the Taylor Decker did report. It looks like there's video of him reporting. I don't know that the ref people are showing the stats of like the ref. He's he's uh refereed six. Lions games in his life for uh, this year. I don't think it's this year because they I don't think they've lost six times. But he's they're zero and six in games he's refed uh, for the Lions. So people have been pointing that out. Um, but in that that had like incredible implications. If the Lions won that game, they secured being the two seed or higher. Um, I I think or maybe it was the three seed or higher. But I I think it was the two seed or higher. And now that they lost, they like cannot get the one seed. Um, and their like probability of getting the two seed is very low. Something along those lines. Um, but the implications were big for that game. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if there's, like, too much more we need to... Ben, do, do you want to talk? I don't know how much you watched the Cowboys-Lions game yesterday. If there's anything else you want to mention before we no, get I to mean, our tribe council. Dan, Dan Campbell being Dan Campbell. Just, I mean, I'll give him credit. Like, he's consistent. If, if anyone's going to go for go for two, three times in a row, it's him. He's crazy, and he's always been that way, but he's wild. He's insane. Um, it's just yeah. kind of what he does. Also, uh... What's the deal with this Russell Wilson stuff? I don't really understand it. I just don't understand yeah, so it at all. Let's, it makes no sense to me. We can briefly talk about this. So Russell Wilson, when he got his big contracts, there's there's a couple different types of guarantees. He got a lot of money in injury guarantees. And basically what that means, if he gets hurt, he gets guaranteed he gets that money. Yeah. yeah, before a time period. That money gets vested into an actual guarantee on a certain day, which I believe is March 20th. So on March 20th, the, the Broncos owe him Thirty-seven million dollars. That's like they. That's what they owe him at that time. Before them, they can cut him and owe him money or trade him. 
So they sat him because they didn't want him to get hurt because if he gets hurt, he's not going to be able to be traded. And then he okay. is owed that money. Yeah. So that's what's going on with, with Russell Wilson. To me, this is a sign that he will not be with the Broncos next year. Um, and it's not uncommon. We've seen other teams like Garoppolo had a similar thing uh, with the the Raiders and they sat him um, and they they aren't like they, it doesn't appear like they're going to trade him. I mean, we'll see. Uh, David, David Carr, Derek Carr, whichever one's on. I don't know which brother's on the Saints. Uh, he also has a similar thing, um, and it's kind of like a tough spot because the quarterbacks aren't good enough that like you definitely want to keep them, but they aren't bad enough that you want to get rid of them. So you're like, what do we do? Let's just not let's let's leave our options open. So if he got hurt in these last two games, that would have been very bad, and they would have owned him a lot of money, and then he would have for sure been the Broncos quarterback next year even if it was a small injury so that's kind of what's going on with russell wilson to me it signifies that they are he is not going to be there next year that's what i think it means even though he had a, a pretty good little spurt in the middle um why don't we get to our tribal council uh segment here this is going to be a tough one we, we we don't have a lot of teams we only have two more weeks to kick some teams out i have a team that i want to go with i think i think it's all bad options this week but i think the safest option is going to be the vikings um, and the reason I think the Vikings are the safest option is I think there's a decent shot they lose both their next games. They're playing the Packers at home tonight and then the Lions next week. Um, Packers game is definitely a flip of a coin. They could win that one, but I do not think they'll beat the Lions. And if they get nine, if they win both the games and get nine wins, they're probably going to make it. I just think the odds of that are slim. Um, they're currently not in a playoff spot and they're the only team that I think, uh, we can say that is not in the NFC South, that is not in a playoff spot that we could get rid of. Um, so for me, I think uh, I think we're going with, I think we should go with the uh, the Vikings. What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, this one's definitely the toughest week yet, I think, that we've had. Um, this one's very tricky. We have two weeks left, um, obviously, of the season. And the, the teams that we've already crossed off that I think are going to give us issues or could give us issues right now are the Rams right now who are in a playoff spot. They're the sixth seed in the NFC, eight and seven. So we need the Rams to lose. And then the Texans who are in the AFC um, right now as the eight seed. So they're not technically in it, but they're tied uh, for that last spot at eight and seven right there with the Colts. They also play the Colts last week of the season. So that could potentially determine that last playoff spot. So those are the teams that could give us issues. Um, obviously, we need those teams to lose. Um, I, I think the Vikings, you said the Vikings, right, Brandon? Yep, that's that's the team I'm picking. The Vikings are a good option. They're 7-8. They, you mentioned it. They play the Packers and the Lions. Um, I, I'm really eyeing the Steelers hard here because the Steelers, although they are 8-7, and seven, they're a game ahead of, well, they're a game better than the Vikings. Um, they play the Seahawks. They play the Ravens. Um, and also in, in tiebreakers, like even if they win both those games or if they win one of them, their tiebreaker against teams like the Texans, the Colts and the Jags, they would lose all three of them because yeah, that's a good lost. option too. Then they've lost to all three of them. Um, this one's tough for me. I think when it comes down to it, 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 it I think what you lean on is, do I think this team can win both of its games. Like, and, and that's like comparing the Seahawks or the Steelers and the Vikings, which one is more likely to win both of their games? Because I think I do still think 10 and seven is probably needed uh, to make the seven seed. Um, I mean, yeah, I think so. Right. Because the Colts and the Texans play each other the last game of the season. I think you might be um, able to get nine wins. Maybe you maybe. might be able to. So that that's what makes it tricky here. The Jaguars, I mean, the Jaguars, they're relevant in this conversation as well. They play the Panthers. Actually, oh, no, no, no. It, Yeah, maybe 10. Yeah, I don't know. Nine might be tough. They play the Panthers and the Titans. So the Jaguars are, I mean, they're, they they got to get 10, right? I mean, the, the Panthers and the Jagu and the Titans, are they really going to lose one of those games? I don't know. I mean, they have been playing worse. And then obviously the Colts and Texans, the Colts play the Raiders today. So I guess they could lose. And then the Texans, who's their other game? They play the Titans. So it's it's really tricky. I think ultimately I'm going to go with you, Brandon, just because I think there is that slim chance that, uh, you know, there is a slim chance that the Steelers, even though I don't think they're going to win out, even if they win one of those games, see that I don't think the Steelers are going to make it either. They'd probably they'd have to win out because of the tiebreakers. 
Um, so I'll go Vikings, but this one is very difficult. It is tough. Um, to decide. What What do you think, Ben? Yeah, Vikings Make is fine. Make it three for three. I mean, it's yeah, Vikings is fine. I'm cool with the Vikings. It's it's the time of the year like we're gonna and i said this a couple weeks ago but like you're gonna have to just take some chances here like i mean because if we want to if we truly want to be as accurate as we're trying to be like it's there's no layups anymore like it, you just got to take some chances so yeah the vikings they might win both their games they might not the steelers might win but like you just you got to take a chance with it so we gotta I'm take cool a chance the yeah, yeah i'm cool you guys both yeah. said vikings i'm totally fine with that um i think yeah. that is a risk worth taking all right well that's done for today. We'll go to our final segment where we are going to look back at the 2023 best sports moments. We're going to have a little draft, our top three best sports moments. Um, the draft order, I know I'm going first. I think it was it was randomly decided. I'm going first. Uh, ben is second. I'm I'm second. You're second. Ben's third. Um, and yeah, all right. So we'll start this off because I I think number one's an easy one here. It's it's going to be LeBron breaking the scoring record. That's the <laughs> that was crazy. the best moment that happened this You're year. Crazy. How is that not in ten years? That will be probably the only thing that's like really remembered. For, oh, that'll be remembered forever. It's fine. Is breaking the scoring record, Ben? Was that your number one? It was in my top two. I didn't have my top two listed out. I just had top two. Oh, okay, okay. I probably yeah, I mean, would have picked the one. I probably would have picked. I have another moment that rivals it that will also be remembered forever. There's only, in my opinion, two moments that will actually be remembered forever uh, in this year, and LeBron breaking the scoring record is definitely up there. That was my. That was going to be my first choice. The other one's also a good first choice. We'll see if, if you take it, uh, Trevor, here second. All right, so LeBron's scoring record goes first. The So here's the issue I have with the this one being taken as high as it is because I had it nowhere near this high. The the Yes, as far as remembering it and like, oh, LeBron broke the scoring record and like that's the record in history, that's all great. The moment itself, when it actually happened, because I was watching it, it was boring. The game was boring. The shot when he did it, it was boring. It wasn't super entertaining. Um, and I'm the biggest basketball fan here on this podcast. But it was the moment itself wasn't anything special. It's it's well, maybe I'm going a little bit too far because it is cool. And LeBron obviously he has the most points. It's cool. It's it's a great. It is a good moment. Don't get me wrong. I just think the moment itself um, wasn't you know all that great necessarily. Um, but either way, I'll I'll go to my first pick. Um, it's a Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl. I mean, this was a fantastic game. Uh, one of the, one of the better football games we've seen in a while. Um, obviously, it was one of the best Super Bowl games Super Bowls we've seen in a while. It was a great game. The only thing that had a little bit of a buzzkill was that call at the end made the ending a little bit um, not great. But overall, this was a fantastic Super Bowl. I absolutely loved it. It was high scoring. It had everything you wanted. Um, so that's my pick. It was great. I didn't have that on, on my list. I didn't have it on my list. It's a great moment, though. I'm not like saying it's a bad moment. I just didn't have it on my list. But okay. Ben, would you have it on your list? No, Trevor, you really did me a saw there because I had a top yeah, two you, and I you, thought you, for you sure they'd be taken. I'm, I'm pretty surprised you took that. The call at the end kind of d destroys it a little bit for me because I think that'll always be the blemish on it. Like, it'll always be remembered that there was a bad call at the end. That's why I didn't put on. But it was a great game. Like, I don't think it's a bad pick. I, it was a great game. I definitely don't think it's the second best thing. I think there's definitely something better. I'm interested to it see also, It also included it. one of the best Super Bowl halftime shows we've ever seen. Well, I mean, that Every doesn't on. matter. Who cares about that? It doesn't that? matter. Um, doesn't ben. Matter. What, what's your pick here? I'm excited. I, it's right, Trevor, be what I think it's going to be. Trevor, I really thought you'd take this one. I, I'm honestly like my, my game plan's a little thrown off here. Um, but I, I got to take fairly Dickinson beating Purdue. That, that was my, over that was my other seat. good one. And Trevor's yeah. argument's going to be, well, it just happened like five years ago. That's true, but it's only happened twice. It's still a huge it's, deal. Um, that was, Purdue, that was up there Again, Purdue has this seven foot, eight you know, inch player or whatever. Um, Purdue had all this hype as they always do. And fairly Dickinson... First of all, their name is Fairly Dickinson. Like that is like the most mid-major name ever. They didn't even bring their freaking yeah. band to the game. Um, it's just I don't know. It's just it's it's hard to it's hard not to not to say that that's one of the best sports moments this year when you got a 16 seed beating. I had that in there. LeBron breaking the record and that one were my top two. Those yeah, are the those two that I'm like. Two. These are clearly the best two sports moments. So I think Ben Ben's gotten the best draft so far. I think I think we Ben's gotten a, he's gotten a good pick. I really liked. I I actually debated about taking that one one. So Trevor, I'm curious, like, what, where, where did you have that on your yeah, list? Yeah, where that was that rated high. for you? That had to be pretty high on the list. I had that number four on my. Okay, okay so you had it high. Number okay. four. I'm interested. What three things you had in front of it? All right. Well, I know what other two things you had in front. I have of a it. better. I have a better college basketball moment, actually. There's well, no I, better college basketball. Trevor, than I hate that. to break it to you, but I'm probably going to take there it is. right here. 
Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh. Now I'm worried. I guess, Trevor, with my fourth pick. I don't even pick, have another college basketball pick, thing on here. With my second pick, Trevor, uh, I'm just going to take the other college basketball thing I have on here just because you said that. I'm going to take San Diego State's buzzer beater over Florida Atlantic oh in the Final gosh. Four. That shot was phenomenal. Was I, I'll never forget where I was. I literally screamed because I wanted Florida. I think most people wanted Florida Atlantic to win. Big underdog story. I literally like screamed when it happened, like out of like, yeah. like, like yeah. disbelief, not disbelief, but like out of like, it's almost like, um, like, in a it was like a horror movie scream, like, like the pain in my body. Like I screamed, like, like I was in so much pain because I did not want to see that shot go in, but it was an awesome shot, baseline shot. Um, I, I got to take that shot, Trevor. That was probably going to be my, my first round pick, but you left it, you left it available for, uh, for my second round pick, Trevor. I appreciate it. Well, those are, those are two great picks, Ben. That was number two on my list. Um, I also remember exactly where I was because this was the final four game, San Diego State, Florida Atlantic. I yeah. was with my dad at a uh, restaurant in um, uh, in Illinois. This was actually the day before I moved out of my apartment in Illinois and drove home uh, to Cleveland. Obviously, this was the so this was the day before, and we were at this place eating phenomenal burgers, sitting so at the bar. So you had the Wagyu burgers, right? I actually, yeah. I think it was. I think it was. I remember you talking burger. about that. And it was a fantastic burger at this little place. And uh, I, I forget the name of the town um, in Illinois. Me and my dad were sitting at the bar eating burgers when we saw that uh, shot happen. And the whole bar went crazy. And it was a, a great moment. So I, I love the pick, Ben. All right, Trevor, it's to you. What's your second? What's going to be your number three that you had on here? All right. So my number three. Um, this one, a very obvious pick that you guys should have had at least in your top five, if not higher. Um, the Miami Heat were an eight seed that made the, uh, finals. And I'm particularly going with their yeah. first round matchup when Jimmy Butler yeah. lit up the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs, going for 56 points in one of those games, absolutely over and over again, just making Drew Holiday look like a high school defender. Um, so Jimmy Butler lighting up the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. That is my pick here. It's a good pick, so Trevor. I didn't have that one. I didn't have that one either, but I do like the pick. I've liked both your picks, actually. I'm I'm pretty impressed with your picks. I also wanted I wanted the third pick because I thought I had the last I'll have the wraparound two picks. I, I have it at the first pick, so I'm actually happy I have the first pick. Because I'm gonna get two other things that I, I wanted here. Um if I could have gotten Fairly Dickinson beating Purdue back to me here, I would have crowned myself the winner of this draft. But so far, I actually like all of your guys' picks. I think everyone's made good picks. So my final two picks, my first one, I'm going to go with Texas and Alabama. Uh, the game, just the regular season game that happened earlier this year. I thought this game was incredible. And Alabama losing is just, that's a good thing for all of us. So many draftable guys that were in this game. It was just a great display of talent. So I, I have that game up there. My last pick, I'm going to take the entire story around Aaron Matson. Did I say your name correctly, Ben? Yes, that is correct. Yes. Aaron Madsen uh, played field hockey at North Carolina. She won four championships. Then immediately after, at 23 years old, she took over as coach and won another championship. Ben talked about this, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago on the podcast, maybe? Yeah, I mean, in the um, fall, and around Thanksgiving, I think, when it happened. Yeah. And her story is absolutely phenomenal, uh, and I am incredibly happy I got to take her in the best sports moments draft. Um, because it was just incredible. And I'm pretty happy overall with my three picks. So far, I do like both your guys' drafts a lot, though. Even though I didn't have either of your moments, Trevor, I think like they very much are like solid moments. I like them. So with your last pick, what are you going to surprise me with? So this this one's tricky because the one that I have fifth on my draft board, it's it's a thing that like was already kind of a thing before 2023, but I think it really hit its peak. and and uh in 2023 and that's just caitlin clark and how amazing she about, was i thought about drafting that too. like yeah, with I like iowa that. throughout the entire women's college basketball tournament i mean i made sure she's i was phenomenal. like when is Iowa's like every game in the tournament i was like all right when is iowa playing i need to watch that game i remember they played louisville in the mm -hmm. lead eight it was a really good game they they won that then they play i forget who they played in the final four but they played the final four game then obviously they did fall to lsu in the national was championship it? which was another Mississippi really state good game. they played I don't, I don't, I don't remember. remember. I, Aaron, big shout out to Aaron Weaver because we watched those games together. They were incredible. Yeah. The, the final four games. So those were great. That's kind of the pick here. It's really like Caitlin Clark's Clark as a whole. Like her tournament run, I guess, uh, was kind of the, the peak of it. So that's my pick here. You, you know, Trevor, I doubted you before this draft, and I'm very impressed with all three of your picks. I really like them. 
I think you had a great draft. All right, Ben, wrap us up. Let's let's go three for three on drafts because so far I like your draft too, Ben. Yeah, Brennan, you should love my third pick. I think too, you have good options. You should I love my third options. pick. It's a baseball pick, so you you have to appreciate it. Okay. Um, it's got to be you know something that has only happened twice since 1961. It hasn't happened since 1969. It's Ellie De La Cruz stealing three bases and two pitches. He stole second base. Oh, this is biased. He, well, it's it not biased because it's it's one thing. It's something that hasn't happened in what 50 years, and it's only happened twice in the last 60 years. I mean, that seems kind of amazing to me. Um, he steals second base on a pitch, then steals third base the next third base the next pitch. Um, then when the pitcher turns around, he's not paying attention. He steals home again. He not to mention the fact that he did this in his first what month in in Major League Baseball as a 21 year old rookie. So um, it is a little biased, but I honestly like I think it's definitely a memorable moment. Again, it's something that's only happened twice in the last 60 years, and it hasn't happened in 50 years. So um, obviously a a phenomenal moment, a, a, an incredible display of athleticism from a 21 year old rookie. Yeah, I I am gonna call a little bit of bias here. I didn't even remember this moment happened. Um, That's because it's not on. It's not on any of the. It's not on on any of the chalky articles that you're reading, Brandon. I had to dig deep into no, my sports I just think, fandom. I think you could have picked out some better moments. Uh, some like honorable it, mentions I want to talk about: Coco Golf winning the U.S. Open. I like that moment a lot. Thought about taking that. Messi coming to America as a whole. That's another one I thought about taking. Uh, one I didn't want to take, but I did have on my list was LeBron winning title four and a half <laughs> in season that. tournament. Um, but I, I did not want to take that one. I did not think that was one of the best nine sports moments. So those were a couple honorable mentions I had. Um, overall, very I'm I'm impressed with this draft because normally there's someone's team that they drafted. I'm like, your team stunk out of the three of us, including mine. Sometimes it's my team. I um, think it may have been your team. No, I think all three of ours <laughs> here were really good. All three, we all three had really Yours good ones. Yours was the worst, Brandon. No, it wasn't. It was. No, it was. It was fine. It was the worst, though. No, it wasn't. I I completely disagree with this analysis. Completely disagree. Um, I think we all had pretty solid teams. I I was impressed with everyone's. Um, but I think we'll wrap it up there for today. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Of course, go check out our website, thesmallballers.com, so you can stay up to date with all of our stuff that goes live. Follow us on Twitter at thesmallballer as well. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review if you enjoyed. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.